Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Woe to her that is filthy and polluted, to the oppressing city. She obeyed not the voice. She received not correction. She trusted not in the Lord. She drew not near to her God. Her princes within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves. They gnaw not the bone till the marrow. Her prophets are light and treacherous persons. Her priests have polluted the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law. The just Lord is in the midst thereof. He will not do iniquity. Every morning doth he bring his judgments to light. He faileth not, but the unjust, they know no shame. Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. The book of the prophet Zephaniah is a prophetic record of Israel, which was God's congregation or church, becoming so puffed up with pride and ingrained with pagan mindsets, which are all based on selfishness, self-promotion, self-validation, self-worship, and self-indulgences, that they could no longer work together as a body under God's leading. It became all about me. They trusted in themselves and had stopped letting God lead. So God stepped back, and let them lead themselves right into a war. Sword, violence, and pestilence passed through the land like a scourge. Great was the destruction of all that they had hoped to make themselves lords over. In this were they stripped and their hearts refocused. Some among them cried out to God for deliverance and began to move in selflessness as they tended to each other's needs like a family. A little before in Zephaniah chapter 2 verses 2 and 3 we read, God plead with them saying, Before the decree of judgment go forth, before the day passeth as the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you, seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, meek being the humble ones, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, which is to be in right standing with him and what he says, to follow his leading. Seek meekness, which is humility. It may be that if you do these things, that you shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. God had so long been giving warnings and space for repentance. He made it clear that judgment was coming because of pride and of sin and of their selfishness. Acknowledge your sins and repent. Come away from them and be changed. Reject pride and be humble in the sight of God and of men, and you will be protected. Yet very few of them actually did this. Most clung to their vanity and forsook God's great mercy. So the window of repentance was closed, and the humbling began to move in. 
first in an economic collapse, then in a physical war, an invasion, and fire that burned unquenchably like the jealousy of the Lord. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 7, we read his words some more where he says, I said, surely thou wilt fear me, thou wilt receive instruction, so that their dwellings would not be cut off, even though that in mercy he punished and corrected them, he says, but they rose early and corrupted all of their doings. Therefore, wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations, that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour out upon them my indignation, even all my fierce anger. For all the earth shall be devoured in the fire of my jealousy. For then will I turn to the people a pure language, and they shall all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him in one consent. In other words, in one mind and one accord. God desired revival before all of this took place, but could not endorse these people with the power of his grace. They did not rightly reflect or represent him. They were full of pride and haughtiness. They lied and deceived and controlled and manipulated in the name of God without fear or conviction. So God determined that he would deliver them from this wicked selfishness through a furnace of affliction. He would purify the bride that they might finally be able to work together to do God's work and build his kingdom rather than to tear it apart in order to try to build their own. He would tear theirs down and show them how pointless their strivings were that theirs can't last while his can't be defeated, better than to labor to build his kingdom. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 11 says, In that day, after that he hath humbled and then delivered them of this, shall they then no longer be ashamed of all of their doings, wherein thou hast transgressed against me, he says. For then I will take away out of the midst of thee them that rejoice in thy pride. And thou shalt no more be haughty because of my holy mountain. He will take away those that rejoice in your pride, it says. What will you do, O minister, that seeks the attention and accolades of men when persecution rushes in and the only attention that you get is negative? Will you quit or will you repent and keep preaching like this remnant did? This is how God humbled the pride and purified his church before. And he will do it again. And it will be worth it if it crushes our arrogance and selfish ambitions and gets us back to doing the work of his kingdom, believing, living, preaching, and being his teachings. I will also leave in the midst of thee an afflicted and poor people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel 
shall not do iniquity anymore, nor shall they speak lies. Neither shall a deceitful tongue be found anymore in their mouths, for they shall feed and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. By the end of the book of Zephaniah, we see a remnant of humble, sacrificial, charitable, selfless body of believers working together as a family with God finally leading them. In this, does God return their blessing and provision and endorsement through the power of his anointing because that now they can rightly represent him. Now they trust him to lead them. Now they stopped trusting in their own ambitions to work out well for them. Now they are selfless. Now they are united. Now they can be used to bring about revival. This same sentiment is echoed again in Zechariah chapter 9 in verse 8 and 15 and 16 where we read, And I will encamp about mine house because of the army that will come in against them because of him that passeth by this scourge that is moving through the land and because of him that returneth. But this humble remnant that is praying and believing and united in the spirit and trusting in their king, it says that no oppressor shall pass through them anymore. For now have I seen with my eyes, the Lord of hosts himself shall defend them, and they shall devour and subdue with sling stones, and they shall drink and make noise as through wine. And they shall be filled like bowls and as the corners of the altars. You know what the corners of the altars are? It's the horn of the altar. It's a place that a man who was accused and pursued would run in and he would grab hold of the horns of the altar and there would be protection. There would be sanctuary. He would humble himself before the mighty hand of God and plead for forgiveness, and there would be a covering provided unto him. The passage continues to say, And the Lord their God shall save them in that day as the flock of his people, for they shall be as the stones of a crown lifted up as an ensign unto his land. O Lord, forgive us of our pride and our selfishness. Lord, we know that there is a scourge coming upon the land. We know that there is a judgment. We know that your word says that things will grow darker and harder as the day of your returning grows nearer. Lord, let us be covered and protected. Let us be found in right standing. Let us be humble because you said, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Let us bow down at your feet and be led by you completely. Let us not trust in our own thoughts, intentions, emotions or ambitions. Oh Lord, if there has ever been a deceitful, manipulative, lying, controlling tongue in our mouth, especially in the house of the Lord, then let us fall on our face and repent now with all of our heart. We have to be willing to work together. We have to stop trying to be the leader and let him be the head. And each of us are individual members working together in the glory of his perfection. I saw a story once of a man who said you could spend 
your entire life looking for the perfect cherry blossom and it would not be wasted. But at the end of his life, he came to the conclusion that they were all perfect because that they were all different parts of a bigger mosaic. My friend, stop trying to make everybody else be just like you and do what you were called to do. Not seeking to lead or to usurp or to be seen or to be heard, but to simply obey what the master is saying. Be a humble servant, a submitted bride to the bridegroom, and he will give unto you all that you don't deserve, but has been promised, because that God loved us and gave his son for us, not only for the propitiation of our sins, but do you know how he did it? It's because he gave him to be our spiritual husband and covering so that then he could step in and take the blame for us. This is why Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians that there is a great mystery concerning the church, that the husband should be willing to die for his wife as was Christ for the church because that the church is the bride. He covered us. He took the fault. He took the blame. He stood in the way. We ought to love him and let him lead us. Let him be the king and us his faithful witness. Saying what he said and following his lead. Each of us doing our part in unity. Not to ourselves or our own ambitions, not even to other men or organizations, but in unity with the Spirit. And you will do this when you love Him more than anything and others more than yourself. Paul tells us this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or through vainglory. Vainglory means desiring glory for yourself. But in lowliness of mind, let each person esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But yet he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That is the name of Jesus to which every knee should bow of things in the heavens and of things in the earth and things under the earth. 
and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, Paul says, but now even much more in my absence, work out now your own salvation with fear and with trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. In other words, it's not you, your own, so you better humble yourself before him with fear and with trembling. Do all things, he says, amongst the body, without murmurings or disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, holding forth the word of life. Paul says these things to his spiritual little ones, saying that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered up the sacrifice of service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Paul was saying that I can't always be with you to correct, to lead, guide, and direct you. But if you do these things, if you love one another and function as a family, if you don't allow the enemy to get in, with contention, strife, envy, pride, and a desire for vain glory. If you esteem each other better than yourself, if you remain a servant at heart, obeying and rightly representing the Lord, remembering what he himself did when he gave up all the glory of heaven and came as a servant among men. Then at least Paul would know that his laborings had not been in vain. Because if you keep this heart of humility, then you'll make it. And he'll be proud of you at the judgment day. I think this can be said of every true minister, which means servant of the Lord. So let this truth be ever also planted in your heart. Do the work of the kingdom and not yours. Be among the humble remnant and bring glory to the Lord. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.